This episode of Meet Me for Coffee is brought to you by Chatter365 at chatter365.com. This amazing app that you need for your phone. Get in touch with your community. Talk to people who speak different languages because it has an auto-translate feature, which means they speak their language, you speak yours. It translates to you in between. There's no running to Google Translate anymore. Download the app right now, wherever you get your apps for your phone. Thank you for joining me this week. We got Shalita Burke. Uh, She's a pop artist, entrepreneur, scientist. She's released her new album uh, called Special. Um, She's into a lot of cool things. Uh, Some interesting facts about her album. Has over 20 million streams. Charted at number 10 on the Billboard. Number three on iTunes. Back when people used to actually buy the music from iTunes. I think they kind of collapsed after that. Um, and has also been featured on Forbes magazine. Uh, you, you've toured in over 150 uh, different locations across Europe, Asia, Africa, uh, even you, you've performed in Canada as well, right? I have performed in Canada, in Victoria, specifically. Um, beautiful <laughs> British Columbia. You know, it's, uh, it's something that uh, people die to go out there they want to go see how cool it is it's always raining that's that's the that's the legend we have here i'm in a different province um way on the other side uh, more east um more of the extreme east of uh, canada but uh you know we always say it's always raining in uh, british columbia how are you doing i love the rain i'm from seattle yeah it supposedly rains a lot there as well Mm-hmm. But in my experience, it, it really rains in like April and March and the spring season and periodically through the winter. But it's not that bad in the summertime. Like most of the summers are beautiful. And I've always wanted to go to Seattle. Um, just, just mainly because I'm very obsessed with music and, uh, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. Um, nice. That kind of stuff, you know. Um, you know, there's a lot of great bands and great music to come out of Seattle. Like outdoors at all? What's that? You like to be out in nature? Of course. Seattle is great for that. Really? Yes. And like just about 35 minutes away from Seattle, this is beautiful place called Snoqualmie Falls. It's a beautiful waterfall. You have to see it. It's so beautiful. Oh, absolutely. I'll check it out. So, how you doing, Shalita? I'm doing great. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for joining me on my show. I'm, I'm uh, really looking forward to talking to you about your, your music. Um, obviously, you know, being in, in this business and, and having over 200,000 listeners, it's, it's, um, it's very high pace. You know, you got to go through musicians and listen to music. And sometimes the music's not that good. And this time, uh, I, I listened to your, listen to Penetrate, a few other songs. Um, I like the feel of it. I like the feel-good feel of it. Um, so when you create the music, do you create it on the, on the keyboard? How do you create the beds for it? Well, I, I write on piano and also on guitar. Um, but sometimes I'm literally writing in like a Lyft car ride or Uber car ride on my cell phone. <laughs> that's pretty cool right. every single day and sometimes i'm overhearing a conversation and it sparks some inspiration in my own life or sometimes i'm just out in nature and i hear these beautiful sounds of the birds having their own conversations and i think to myself wow that's a great melody whoa that would be a great song and 
I, I, I like how you're, you're really unique. You, you, you talk about, you know, the inspiration, you know, it's always the cliche rock and rollers. Like, yeah, I, I get my, uh, my inspiration from, you know, Keith Richards and, and this and that, and, 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 and finding that you, find inspiration in other places like, you know, the birds chirping or, you know, riding in the car on a rating day and, and, and thinking and putting that all together, um, you know, having the whole the energy, you bring the energy into your songs. And, yeah. and sometimes those melodies actually kind of work, especially with the kind of music that you're, you're writing, right? Well, each song is a human connection. That's a part of the human experience for me when I'm writing a song. And so in, when I'm being inspired to write a song or when I'm going to write a song, I'm trying to just basically mimic and mirror my own human experience and other people's human experience so that when they hear the songs, it can live with them and be a part of them, and part of their makeup and a part of their lives. But also when you're speaking, when you just spoke to me just now on this interview, you have your own melody, you have your own rhythm, you have your own cadence in, in which you speak, and that's beautiful. And everyone has a song in them. You have a song in you. And I just love bringing that out in people and in my environments and just in life. Well, let's go back uh, to producing this album. You know, let's even go back before that. Your first instrument, are you classically trained on the keyboard or, or anything? My first instrument is my voice. Okay. <laughs> my second instrument is the guitar. In the beginning, I did not have any formal classical training. Um, I used the environment to train, meaning I would hear a sound and try to mimic that sound with my voice. I'll hear like a tea kettle go to a high pitch sound when it's ready to be put in your tea or coffee, and I would try to mimic that sound. So my first training came from the natural environment. That's incredible. You know, it's a... It, it sounds like you're a really grounded person, um, you know, growing up and, and learning about music. And uh, what, what, are, what are some of your, your most memorable performances that you've had in your career? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I would have to say I, I do this thing where I create songs with the audience. And so... Every time I do this, it's a memorable experience for me. And I love doing it because a lot of people don't know that they're songwriters. <laughs> and so basically, I, I, I inquire with the audience to send me words, you know, out loud, and they do that. And then I'll create a song live on stage. And then it's just not about me. It's about you and the audience and everyone collectively. And it's not just this egocentric thing. When I first started writing songs, it was all me, 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 I, 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 and that felt good, you know, when you're 12. <laughs> exactly. You, get, you, you grow up and you realize, oh, there's other people. <laughs> and so what I like to do in my concerts is include other people and tell other people's stories and also tell my own story and relate those to each other. And so that's, it's a, a collaboration with everybody and not just with me and what I'm bringing to the table, not just. Well, you're, you're the focal point of your project, obviously. And, and, and being yeah. a front man or front woman or lead singer, you've got to bring that energy, right? Well, you I've become a curator of sound. 
Yes. I'm the curator of the, the words I pick and the melodies I use and the instrument that I play and what chords and, you know, rhythms I'm going to bring out in a song. So I become the curator, like the conductor. Yeah. You're, 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 you're feeding off their energy and then and curating it back to them in some way, shape, or form and bringing the room together. When you guys create a song, it's, it's an unreal experience. I've been there before, too. Uh, I used to play in a band, and obviously, you know, my my pipes aren't good enough to sing, you know, what I wanted to sing, but uh, I'd, be playing, I'd be playing bass, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy, so i got to play bass. Um, but, like, <laughs> man, pretty much I understand what you're saying. I always said the front man needs to be all about the crowd, all about the music, but not about themselves, right? Like you're, that's the person who's controlling the room, right? If you can control a room, go into a room, uh, a venue, a concert and make a difference like that and get people's attention, you're going to go somewhere. And just hearing from what you're saying, um, people are going to love you when you go on a world tour one day and say, Hey man, like my name's Shalita. This is a cool song called penetrate. Let's rock and roll. Boom. They're going to be like, oh, this is awesome. Let's write a song after this. That's really cool. Immersing the crowd, getting them involved in some way, shape, or form is what we need, especially now. Um, so 20, was it 2 million, I was going to say 20 million uh, streams, but that is that correct? 20 million streams? Or no? um, 30, 30 million. <laughs> 30 million. But after that, I stopped counting, and I'll tell you why. It's not just about me and what I'm able to do as a musician and as an artist. It's about the we. And when I say that, sometimes it's like, oh, that's like cliche. It's about the community. No, I really mean this. I've done a lot of um, inner work, inner search, and it's a continuous journey. But once I realize that it's not the I anymore, that as I progress, we progress, it changed the way I looked at my music career. It changed the way I looked at life. And it stopped being like, this is my journey and it became like, this is our human journey. And how do we translate that human journey in a digital way? And also, how do we translate that digital journey in a way where we redefine and re-innovate what's called authorship? Like right now, when we're creating this conversation, we can say that I'm the author of my words and you're the author of your words. But when you think about it, where do we get these words from? When we're children and we're learning how to speak, where do we get those words? We get them from other people and our mentors and adults and our community around us. So everything we are is borrowed. This is a borrowed experience inside the vehicle of the human body. And so the idea of authorship is going to change. I do not write. You do not write. We write. And we bring out in each other different parts of this human experience. And once we realize that it's not the I anymore, it really is the we, then it changes the way we have a relationship with ourselves and our ego. And we can evolve as a species and evolve as humanity. And it's not about me being superior or inferior. Are you being inferior or superior? It's about all of us advancing forward without deserving or non-deserving. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it, it can also help with the trajectory of, of your, your well-being and, and your life and your career. Um, just being that way, having that nice um, outgoing mindset, right? It's a forward-thinking mindset that's not about 
things aren't about you. It's about you and everyone else together as a team. You know, you help me, I help you, or we write a song together, or, you know, I help the neighbor build the shed or, you know, like those little things go far, right? Yes. Like how can we serve? How can we be a part of things in a way where it's not only self beneficial, where it's community beneficial and it's when you look at what the state of the world is right now. Yeah. It's, it's more needed to look at things in this way, but it's not the only way to look at things. Scary it's not times. a right way, yeah. it's a wrong way. But when you think about what's happening in our world right now, if more people decide for themselves to contribute in a community way instead of an I way, then we can solve a lot of problems much faster than what we were doing before. I and now agree. that we have these digital platforms, it's easier to know what people need and what they don't need because you can see digitally exactly what's going on in someone's life now because people have put their lives on display digitally in ways that we weren't doing in the 1980s, in the 1970s, in the prior years. Yeah, but we've lost a lot of like, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the word? Personability? Is that a word? being personable to people like people yes yeah um people forget about the consequences of their actions a little bit when they're on a digital platform versus when they're in person because in person you can really grasp like the nuances of the other person and you feel like you have to you know be a little different right and for me i don't see a difference between you being in front of me in physical and you being in front of me in virtual. And I think there should be like a whole board of what's called virtual ethics. Yeah. Well, I'm not a keyboard warrior either. Right. I'm not <laughs> kind of the guy who sits behind his keyboard. And that's one, that's one thing why I think I should be off social media because I get sick of that stuff. Like I don't do it. I watch it. And I think that people now they have some type of entitlement and uh, thinking, you know, they can say whatever they want when, you know, you know, my mother raised me to say, you know, uh, and my, my teacher, sorry, uh, said that if you have nothing good to say, don't say it at all. But, you know, being a, a person that's behind a keyboard right now, it's very easy to to bash somebody and, and rip people and start fights. But now it's all about, you know, uh, racism. It's uh, people always trying to find a different excuse to fight with people. Obviously, people are frustrated right now. Um, but that's one disadvantage of social media. The other um, the pro about it is that, you know, it brings enlightenment and, and it awakens your senses sometimes when you read things, see things happen in the news um, and, 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 and follow along with all the, the, the movements and stuff. That's pretty cool. But when you're, you're bashing people and you're, you're, you know, that person goes back out into, into society, some of these pe- people or individuals can't handle themselves in a, in a physical form meeting like you and I would be having right now if this didn't happen. Right. So um, that's one big con about social media. I also think another big con or disadvantage of social media for me is that people can find me now. They can find me wherever. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, it's not like I'm going to call my friend and I'll go over to his house and that's it. You want to find me. I'm at his house. There's no texting. There's no calling you. I don't have a cell phone. You know, if there was no cell phones, obviously life would be a lot different, but a lot more boring. That would mean we probably wouldn't have advanced so far as far as we are now. But um, you know what I mean, right? Like it just, 
the, the way that you're able to get a hold of somebody is changed. Um, we've also have a, you know, people who are, have become assholes because, you know, you, you end up trying to text them and they don't get back to you or whatever. So people now are ignoring you and there's people who are the keyboard warriors and there's people who get annoyed because you keep trying to talk to them. And, and, you know, there's a whole slew of problems with social media. The hardest thing for me is promoting, promoting my show. Uh, Being a musician is very hard to be on, uh, promote your stuff on social media. Unless you got payola, right? Let's be honest here, right? A lot of payola to make yourself go over or have that help from somebody else. Um, and, and, you know, you've done well over 30 million streams. Um, how did you do it? Like, I know you 30 million streams, let's say it now, you'd be a rock star selling 30 million albums. I don't know what that is. Like at least a, a, a platinum album for you, but like, how has it changed? Like what's the compensation now for 30 million streams as opposed to 30 million buys? Wow. Um, well, the way I did it is I started offline first. When I first did my first world tour, I did it without any social media accounts. I didn't have a Facebook account, Twitter, Instagram, nothing. I started offline deliberately. And the reason why I did it that way is because once you find your 25 super fans, super fans meaning people that are really interested in you and really care about you and your mission and your music, then it's easy to take the 25 and make a hundred and then that hundred into thousands. And so I started offline touring, you know, around the world. And then I took that audience online. And there are places and countries of people who don't really have a lot of internet access, like a place like Morocco. And so when you take people from those communities and you, put them online, it's a new experience for them that they didn't have before. And a lot of people forget that there are new people on social media every single day. There's new 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds. There's new 45 year olds that just decided that they weren't going to do social media. And now they're going to do social media. And those are new people, new audience members. And so I started there. Then I branched online and I didn't just start social media accounts. What I did is I looked at how can I approach each social media account from an area of strength. And so it's easier to start from top bottom than the bottom to the top. Now I'm not saying that there are people that there's not people that started from the bottom on social media and worked their way up and that takes years. <laughs> so what I did is I dreamed really big and I set really big goals. And I decided that, okay, if I'm going to start a Facebook account, how do I start a Facebook account where I start at the top, where I start with a celebrity verified account based on my actual numbers on my email list and the people I can bring to the table to this platform. And so that's how I approached it. That's how I approached every single platform with an area of strength. And a lot of people don't know about, oh, you can, before even starting a new social media account, that you can basically leverage your existing audience and bring that audience to the platform, you know, with a strategy and, and execution um, versus, oh, I'm just going to start the, the account and we're just going to hope that everything goes great when I post the content. 
I started my social media accounts without any content at all. No online content, no album at the time, no physical anything, like no content. I started directly with the audience and really caring about, okay, what value can I bring to this audience? When you approach it from those lenses, it's, you're approaching it with intention. And so not only did I approach it with attention, but I set metrics for myself. By this date, I want to reach X amount of followers. By this date, I want to reach X amount of engagement. By this date, I want to reach this goal. And you want to measure what you're doing. Most people don't really look at their numbers. They don't care about their actual metrics. And so they're not achieving particular goals because they don't measure things. For me, if I don't measure it, it doesn't exist for me. And so I set particular intentions based on a metric and I don't stop until I get to that number or to that goal. And that's the way I've approached everything. It seems like you, you've well thought about everything and, and that's pretty cool. Um, I never thought about it that way either. So but this, see that you're succeeding at it. It's, it's great. It sounds awesome. Maybe yeah. someone who's listening to this right now will take that step as well. Oh yes, it's a formula that I developed that works on every single platform. At the end of the day, you have to remember that social media is not just a tech platform with algorithms. It's a tech platform with people on the other side. People, human beings. When you approach it like that, it's a whole different experience. Okay, well well, you say you you toured, right? So, is it just by yourself? You just played shows by yourself or how? I played solo shows and then I added band members. Wow. And um, sometimes I would bring people from the United States. And then another thing that I've done is I went around the world and I, I would schedule a concert in that country. Then I would go to the open mics and find the best musicians that I can possibly find and invite them to play on stage with me. And they didn't know any of the songs, which is great and amazing because we all created different things and it created different sounds that I I would never have thought about before. Incredible. Because it's really- I wouldn't have the balls do that at all. Like that's crazy. You wanna showcase local musicians because those are the people who have the audience. And not only do they have the audience, they understand their people in a way that I wouldn't understand. So I'm being introduced to their culture from the best musicians from their culture. And it just gives me a whole different experience. I've got to say you're super smart, you know that? And uh, let's, let's segue to the next subject here. You say you're a scientist. Data scientist, yes. A data scientist. What kind of data are you, are you collecting now or what, what interests you about science? I was always interested in science, (laughs) in doing science experiments, and Twitter has made it really easy for me to conduct a lot of my surveying that I do when I take music data. I take a lot of personality data and music data, and I put it together to create campaigns that actually connect to people. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. That's incredible. So So That's what science, obviously. among other things. <laughs> so what, what's next for your career? Are you writing music? Are you ready to go on another tour after all this blows over? I guess you probably have a two-year window to, to prepare for it. 
Well, um, before this actually happened, I was taking data on virtual concerts and who would want to go to a virtual concert. I'm, I'm normally really early in the marketplace about things in general, but I started this research four years ago. And I, for me, I like to test and research and implement, then test, research, implement. That's my process. And so I started testing four years ago and it's been a four-year journey and now i've collected enough data to know exactly how to launch like a virtual concert experience in a way where people actually want to watch and um, contribute and be a part of it and i'm also exploring virtual songwriting with mass audiences online um, so i'll be launching um, different experiences like that soon coming soon I'm also um, launching some books. I love to read, but I also like to write. Um, so I'm launching some meditation and poetry books this year that are gonna blow your mind. <laughs> One of them is around the concept of good morning. So it's more than a hundred ways to say good morning. That's not the book title. I haven't decided the book title. I will use science in surveying on how I will come up with my book title. <laughs> <laughs> but like different ways to say good morning and then the, the other book after that is different ways to say good night and then the book after that is different ways to say hello and the reason why I've done that is because good morning is something that we say very often you probably said good morning you know sometime this week it would be interesting to count exactly how many times you said that um, but it's a familiar place that we go and we can go deeper into what good morning means. Like good morning means something more than just how are you doing? It's a greeting, it's an introduction, it's a, it, it's a deeper portal into ourselves that we've been saying for a very long time in the human language. There's different ways to say good morning in different languages, but it means different things in different cultures when it's good to say it, when it's not good to say it in the formal way, informal way. And so I've developed some poems around the deeper meaning of good morning and what it could mean and what it could bring out of us and our species and our humanity and our love and our, and our connectedness with other people. And I just think it's very interesting. I don't think enough people say good morning, to be honest. Really? Um, a lot of people just blast by you in the morning when they're walking. It's like, hey. <laughs> uh, anything you'll have to come back on the show when you release those books okay i would love to yes um yeah my email and stuff like that you get in touch with me or get in touch with your publicist he'll schedule you on my show um mm -hmm. i want to thank you for coming on my show i oh. want to thank you for the great music you put out there the great energy the great conversation we had uh the final question that i have for you okay you I have a final question for you okay you want to go first Oh, you can go first. Do you drink coffee? I love coffee. I'm obsessed with coffee. It says meet me for coffee. So everyone that comes on the show, the big stars, the rock stars, the people on Sons of Anarchy, they, uh, they get asked the same question. How do you take your coffee? Okay, so I love this question. Um, so I'm obsessed with coffee. And the way I take my coffee is I do the French press method. And then after the French press method, I actually do my own espresso that I make myself. I make my own lattes. 
and <laughs> I like to put three shots of espresso because I, I love the high that I get from coffee. And then after I do it those two ways, I like to do it the drip way throughout the day so I can sustain the caffeine in my blood system. <laughs> I think that was the most wild one I've heard. Um, <laughs> Out of like the uh, what the forty something shows I've done, that's the most wild one. Uh, you know what? Like coffee to me, I could drink it all day. Uh, I, I love espresso. I love uh, you know. We can always go into the arguments I have with people all the time. I, I always tell them a more expensive coffee maker will make you a better cup of coffee. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I have espresso. I have French press. I have drip. I, I love coffee. I also make my own cold press coffee. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yes, I add it to smoothies, um, bakery goods. I'm obsessed with coffee. Yeah, you're, you've had so much, you're trembling right now. I can see in your hands. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you don't want to know how many cups I have this morning. <laughs> I can probably guess if you want. <laughs> All right, well, what's your question for me? What is the one shift that would help you in your business? The one, um, one shift? Yeah, if you had no limitations and you had the dream team and all the resources in the world, what's the one shift that would help your business? Like, what, what do you mean, like, shift? Like, uh, what? No limitations. The sky is the limit. There's, there's nothing too big or too small. Uh, honestly, I, I, uh, I, you know, being put on the spot about this is kind of my show, but you're turning it around on me. Um, I, I think I, I think I want to um, be able to talk to people uh, besides the actors. I want to talk to people who um, have a bit of controversy or, you know, something like that going on. Um, always wanted to get to the bottom of, of a few things. And, you know, I, yeah, you know, there's some stories online that you want to talk to these people that, you know, that the people who are, um, involved with like crime and like FBI stuff. And, you know, um, I like the, uh, alien conspiracy stuff. Uh, you know, I, I like, I just want to be able to talk to every type of person, right? If I had the, if we had the, the money and the, and the team, uh, I'd probably would do, um, a touring show. Um, originally, um, the, the, the plan was, for me to come to LA and interview actors and, and, and musicians in person at a coffee shop. Right. And it'd be all be on video and whatever, but unfortunately people get sick and you know, we're, we're all stuck in their homes. But um, so yeah, the, the, the way, the direction I want to take the show, um, I want to make it number one in the world. I want to compete with Joe Rogan. And I want to tell people that, you know, openly because I want this to be the best show in the world. And I'm slowly getting there and it, it just takes a lot of, a lot of effort and then a lot of people to believe in you, um, to pass on the word. Right. Um, for me, I've had, I've been pretty successful. Right. And thankfully I have people I work with that, you know, I, that helped me meet someone like you. Right. So it moves on and on and on. Right. So what's next. I think I want to go ahead and try and hit number one eventually. And, uh, yeah, so that's the shift that I want to take. Okay, so let's say you, you are number one. You're interviewing all your dream guests. Now what's next? Uh, for the show or for my life? In, any, any way you want to answer the question? Uh, well, I'd like to um, 
I'd like to develop a couple films that I've been talking about. You develop those films? They're number one blockbusters. They're around globally, global smash. What's next? Um, probably take a holiday after all that. Uh, travel the world. Um, maybe uh, invest in some more businesses and stuff. And, um, you know, be on a platform to help people. Like maybe start a foundation to give back to people. Okay. Um, so you've seen the world 10 times, you started your foundation, you've raised more than $50 billion and you're giving back to people. What's next? Well, I don't know, maybe go into politics. I think that's the way it goes, right? So you're into politics, now you're president. Okay, what's next? Uh, I don't know, maybe like travel to the, to the moon or travel to Mars. I'd like to do well, that. Well, you went to Mars and you bought some real estate there and the moon as well. What's next? Uh... I don't know, maybe go have a beer somewhere on the way. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I, by the way, I do this exercise every single day. So I can it, it's kind of crazy because when you put someone in the spotlight, I start to think. And, and now when I leave after the show, when I close the studio down, I'm going to go out for a coffee with my daughter. And it's going to be like, shit, man, I should have said that. You know, like it's all <laughs> going to come back. But I think when you t- say something out loud and you really mean it, um, you can make it happen. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I do want to go into politics eventually, but I feel like I should be a politician, in like a third world country because I, I may screw up a few times, but I'm not like shady. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, Right. I don't want to be held to like the highest account of like, you well, know, you can create your own virtual country. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Maybe I'll create my own currency and in, in, in coffee. Oh, yes. You can create your own coffee cryptocurrency, like tomorrow. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. And then, like, everybody in your community, the way that you, um, when you create the currency, what happens when you give people some of your money? What do people do? They spend it. They spend it. And what does that do to your economy? Makes it work. Yes, yes, yes. That's actually a good idea. Yes, yes. Well, I'll have to talk to you after the show. Come to your show, and the the way they buy the merch from your show is from your coffee cryptocurrency. Holy moly! Yeah. And I buy stuff from Walmart with it. You think, or? Well, if you trade it back into the American dollar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be like $115. Okay, you take like four coffee coins. There you yeah. go. Yeah, it's a good idea. Like the Bitcoin thing, the Ethereum thing. Um, we'll definitely have to talk about that after. I'd like to do that. Um, besides, I'm working on a coffee line now, right? So. Oh, yes, and you can create your own currency just for that coffee line. It's yeah. kind of like when you go to an amusement park and they have tickets. That's their own currency. Yeah. Like, why do we have to buy their tickets in order to ride the rides? It's because they created their own ecosystem and their own currency. And you can do the same thing with your Pokemon. That's incredible. Well, Shalita, we'll talk again. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Take care. Thanks.